Hello friends, this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It's time for Let's Talk About Jesus, and we've got a lot to talk about when we talk about Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. People are still talking about Jesus after 2,000 years. The most controversial person that ever came to this world and lived out his days on this world and is alive and well right now is Jesus Christ. Praise God. So we have some good news to bring you in the midst of a, a very somber uh, a very sobering time in the, in here in America. I don't have to go into detail. It's been all over the news, the events that are occurring, uh, reiterating once again that we are living in the last of the last days. The Bible said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, distinctly and clearly, that in the latter days uh, perilous times would come. One translation of that word perilous is dangerous and another is outrageous. And what we're hearing today is both reminding us of the dangers of living in a world that is becoming more and more influenced by the darkness that is settling in as the light is rejected and pushed away. Well, we're coming representing the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And we want to be representatives of Him by becoming the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Today, as our hearts go out to all those that are mourning this terrible, terrible, outrageous thing that has occurred in our nation, at the same time, uh, we are lifting our eyes uh, to the eastern skies. We believe that Jesus is coming very very soon, and that even these terrible events uh, signify uh, that we're living in this prophetic reality of time uh, called the last days. We, we want to be part of that great company that is publishing God's Word, giving comfort, counsel, and hope uh, to those that will hear the claims of Christ and the gospel that becomes so relevant. You know, as the darkness, you can have a back porch you leave on or a front porch light on. During the noonday, that light won't seem significant at all. You will have to look intently to see if it's even burning in the brightness of noon. But at midnight, that light is suddenly enhanced. It is not put out by the darkness. It is enhanced by the darkness. And I believe this gospel of peace and this gospel of hope and this gospel of God's great love for His creation is the wonderful light that the darkness cannot quench. The darkness around us can only enshrine it and enhance it. So today, we just pray that you will be comforted, that you will be counseled, and that you will be highly motivated, if you are a Christian, to stand up for Jesus and live for Christ and, and let the world see the glorious light of the gospel and the hope that it brings. And we pray if you're not a Christian today that you will stay tuned and be our very special guest in this broadcast today. Amen. We've said it before. I'm going to say it again today. We're so glad to be part of the broadcast family right here on WMAF. And and I want to reiterate once again how glad we are. If you're a consistent listener, we're glad that you are 
are a part of the listening family. If you're listening from our website, we're glad you're part of our listening family there. And if you're listening anywhere in America, any state in America, and we know there are folks, if you're listening anywhere around the world that you've come to our website or you, you're online listening to WMAF online, we're glad that you are with us today. Praise God. We're talking about winning the race and receiving the crown. Winning the race and receiving the crown. I mentioned someone we were praying for in Pakistan. That was a week ago when I mentioned it. And uh, we prayed earnestly because a man was preaching the gospel. His wife contacted us through our website to pray earnestly for him. Uh, They had been persecuted. They had been threatened. Her husband had been arrested. And her prayer was desperate for people to pray. Uh, Please, please pray was at the end of the message that we received. Well, we, along with others, prayed and interceded before we began our church service, and we were so happy uh, this Sunday uh, to have the report come in before the next week had passed that they were safe and her husband was released from jail and God had put a hedge of protection around them. And they are sharing the gospel in a very dangerous place. And they have to be motivated by something far beyond anything that this world can offer. And I believe they have in view putting their life Liberty on the line, just like Paul was in his day. They had in view and have in view what every Christian needs in view. Whether you live in that kind of jeopardy or peril or not, we need to be motivated, highly motivated to live for Christ and to lead others to Him. And I'll tell you something, you, you, you don't have to do anything but live for Him initially to have a strong witness for Him. In fact, the Bible said if we would just live for Him and be consistent in our faith, we would be like a city that is set on a hill which cannot be hid. Hallelujah. I told you, the darkness never quenches the light. It only enshrines it and and causes more attention to be brought to it. It causes it to shine more brightly. That 60-watt bulb that's in your, your, your porch light doesn't get brighter at midnight, but it seems brighter at midnight because of the darkness that surrounds it. Listen, light is going to win this battle between light and dark. Make no mistake about it. So we're glad to share a victorious testimony. But we want to talk about what motivates people to dedicate their life to even at the risk of death or imprisonment or other terrible, terrible crimes against them in order to tell people about Jesus winning the race, receiving the crown. I believe they had the same crown in view that the Apostle Paul had in view. Listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians once again, chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. I'm just going to stop at 25 for time's sake. Know ye not, they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain... And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it 
for, to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I want to quote in review once again Dr. Eric of, 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 of Cornell University. This is what he said. From the moment people decided to concentrate all their energies on a specific objective, they surmounted the most difficult odds. So he went on to say that the establishment of a goal is key to successful living. I want to go add to that this, the establishment of a goal and pursuing it with everything we are and everything we have is the key to becoming a success as a Christian. For a success as a Christian is not whether you rise to the top of the corporate ladder in some business somewhere or whether you uh, rise, rise to the top in the sports world or in the financial realm. Uh, the key to successful Christian living is following Christ in such a way that others will want to know Him. Hallelujah. And you can tell them about Jesus. Hallelujah. So we need this crown in view. We need to be highly motivated and we need to be goal oriented. We talked about the crown of life already in James chapter 1 and verse 12 where it says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Jesus actually told the church that was being persecuted uh, in the book of Revelation to be faithful unto death. Amen. In the church of Thyatira in Revelation 2.10 and, and, and you will receive the crown of life. And we talked about that. And we talked about the crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 through 8. Where Paul said, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but all them that love his appearing. We talked about the crown of glory in First Peter chapter 5 and verse uh, 1 through 4, uh, and uh, where it ended up with him saying, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory <laughs> that fadeth not away. Praise God. And today we're going to talk about the crown of rejoicing in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. The crown of of rejoicing. It was Jesus' reward for enduring the shame of the cross. And, 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 and His great reward is a bride, a holy people destined to live with Him in heaven forever. Praise God. And it's our crown for every person we have influenced, every person we've shared a testimony with, every person who has come to Christ because they have seen the, the, the light of the glory of Jesus in the way that we live and represent Him as His ambassadors in this world. We will share this crown of rejoicing with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So we want to talk about that today. Let's read it together. First Thessalonians 2, verse 18 through 20. 
Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. Tell me about it. Verse 9, the tell me about it is not in there. I'm just adding that. I understand what he's saying. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our crown and glory, and you are our glory, rather, and joy. This crown of rejoicing is the souls that are going to be in heaven because we've shared faithfully the testimony of Jesus and the, and the, the great company of people that have been saved by Christ because of what He did on the cross. And what he suffered in our sake, Jesus had this crown of rejoicing in view when he was on the cross. You know, there's a song that says, when he was on the cross, friend, we were on his mind. And I believe while he was hanging on that cross, the the strength to stay on it when he had the power to come off it. See, that's the glory of the cross, nails didn't hold him there. He demonstrated his power in many occasions, but also when they came to arrest him. And Peter pulled his sword to defend him and slung it at the first person who came in and and missed their head and grazed their head and cut off their ear according to Scripture. And Jesus reached down and picked up the ear and placed it back upon the person, and the ear was immediately healed. And then he told Peter to put up his sword. And he told him, if if my kingdom were of this world, I could call the armies of heaven to deliver me. Armies of, of warrior angels would come and deliver me. But he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He went as a lamb Dumb before his shearers, the Bible said he opened not his mouth. By the way, it's a good thing he didn't call those armies because he's the commander-in-chief of those armies. And if he had called those armies, make no mistake about it, my dear friend, they would have come and not only just took him down off of that cross or kept him from going to the cross, they would have come and destroyed those who wanted to put him on the cross. But that was not his mission. His mission was to seek and to save those who were lost, people just like you, and people just like me. And oh, how I thank God that He went to the cross, that He stayed on the cross until the sin debt, my sin debt, friend, and yours was paid in full. I want you to look at this scripture with me in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It said, Who for the joy that was set before him, speaking of Christ, endured the cross, despising the shame. Who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. You know, you and I don't think of the shame that he was enduring. We don't think of that. We see nails going through his wrist, nails going through his feet, 
We see the terrible torturing through the beatings he received. We, 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 we think of his, his struggle to breathe and his sweat becoming great drops of blood in Gethsemane. We're concentrated on the pain of crucifixion. And that's probably the best understanding we can have of his suffering as human beings. But as a human suffering all that pain, he also was God in the flesh, God incarnate, and the shame of being stripped naked, the shame of being, oh yes, we, we really dress up, and we should, we shouldn't show pictures hanging on walls of churches of the real carnage of crucifixion, and of the, of the complete shame of the, not just the nudity, you see, the shame that he was despising was that he that knew no sin, the scripture said, was going to be treated as the most heinous and worst of sinners. He's going to take the sins of everyone upon himself and everyone that would ever live upon himself, so that anyone, no matter what they have done, may be forgiven their sin if they would come to God and trust Christ repenting of their sin. Friend of mine, that's why I love him so very much. And he had something in view beyond that cross that caused him to stay on that cross until the sin debt was paid in full. doesn't mean universally everyone's going to be saved. It means everyone universally can be saved if they will repent of their sin and trust Christ as their Savior. Listen to what Paul said, and, and this is something we probably don't think about very much. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, it's a prayer, but listen within it. He said, wherefore, chapter 1, verse 15, we're going to read down through, uh, well, just till we stop. I don't know how far I'm going to go with this, but listen carefully. For Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's what he prayed. Listen to it. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of His calling, and what is the... Here, here's where we're going to go, and we'll probably stop right here. And what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? That you might have revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ, and one of the things He wanted you to know is the hope of your calling, but he wanted you to know by this same revelation knowledge of Christ the, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Friend of mine, we, every child of God, every person that's ever been saved because of his sacrifice at the cross and every person that will be saved, 
every one of us that make up what is called the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are His reward for the cross. And the joy that was set before Him is seeing the tens of thousands of souls that would be saved because of His sacrifice, His staying on the cross until the sin debt was paid for everyone. There's a universality in the sense that Jesus has paid the sin debt for the world. That's why when John saw Him coming, John the Baptist, he said, Behold, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Praise God. Listen to me carefully today. The sin debt has been paid for every man, woman, boy, and girl. And the Bible said very clearly in the New Covenant, It is not God's will that any perish, but that all have eternal life. Hallelujah. So God's, God's invitation is out there. The price has been paid. The sacrifice has been offered. The last lamb that God would ever accept as a sacrifice was not an animal, but it was His only begotten Son. Hallelujah. Praise God. And He beckons to us to come. And everyone that comes to Christ and repents of their sin and receives Him as their Savior, we, He saw that. He saw the end from the beginning. Not only of creation, but the, from the beginning of His trip down the Villa de la Rosa up the hill of, to Calvary's cross. He saw me, friend. He saw you. Praise God. He sees you now. And He loves you. And He wants you to be part of His reward for His suffering. Praise God. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, there was a moment on that cross when Jesus cried, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted was, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He did not die with, with some supernatural uh, canopy over him that he didn't feel the pain or sense the shame. He died like a lost sinner, abandoned and forsaken of God on that cross. Not only the pain of the crucifixion, but the shame of that kind of death to this Holy One who never sinned. Friend of mine, oh, the suffering that He went through physically, emotionally, spiritually, because He felt all of it on the cross so we would never have to experience that feeling of God forsaken abandonment ever in our life if we would come to Him as our Savior. Hallelujah. You know, there's a Christian song called Keep On the Firing Line. And it says that we should have this crown of rejoicing in view as we live our life for Jesus Christ and we share our testimony. It says, when we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus 
from the paths of sin. With a shout of welcome, we will all march in. Keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil, never run. Listen to this. We're talking about running this race with a crown in view so we can run it with patience. Never lag behind. Praise God. If you would win for God in the right, and that's the motivation, hallelujah, keep on the firing line. I believe I'm talking to someone today that's been sidelined, and God wants you back on the firing line. You may be a minister that's discouraged. You may be seeing more people defecting and going back. As the Scripture said, it would be in the last days. Some shall depart from the faith, and I'm still being shocked by how many and and who that they are, people that I would never dreamed would backslide or turn back or backsliding and turning back. But I'm praying for a heaven-sent Holy Ghost revival. It's the only kind. I'm not talking about a series of meetings where we get emotionally titillated and, and, and maybe for a little while get a little bit of, of emotional energy, uh, to, to get a little bit of excitement to go out into a neighborhood or whatever. That is not working. It is not revival. Even though we might have a time of rejoicing in song and we might just have a good time at church, a good hand clapping foot stopping amen in service is not a God sent Holy Ghost revival. It is it is born of the Spirit. It is sustained by the Holy Spirit. And no one but the Holy Spirit can bring it. And He won't bring it unless He can bring it in and through you and in and through me. And I want to stay on the firing line. <laughs> Praise God. Because, friend, all of our victories, all of our conquests, all of our achievements, all of our righteousness, all of the applause of men, all of the blessings of God, we owe it to Jesus Christ and to God the Father who gave His Son so that we could have life eternal and life abundant. Praise God. You may be sidelined today. And I want to urge you, and I want to encourage you to get back in the race. I want to encourage you to, if you've lost the first love, to repent and remember from which you're fallen, repent and do your first works. Go back to church. You did that. That's your first work, wasn't it? You couldn't, you didn't want to miss a service. Get back in God's house. <laughs> Start interacting with God's people again. You're part of a body and the hand doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. Don't say that by, by taking yourself away from the encouragement that others can give you and from the opportunity to encourage others. Praise God. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together. It is vital in the last days, to our victory. Praise God. Get back in God's house. Hallelujah. Get back in the Word of God. That was your first work. You opened your Bible and God spoke to you through His Word. Praise God. And you saw things that just quickened your spirit and, and, and emboldened your faith. Hallelujah. 
Get back on your knees, praise God. Get back in your prayer closet. Uh, pray on the way to work. Pray on the way home. Find a place and make the time. God will hear and God will answer. Praise the Lord. Begin to intercede again for others and watch the mighty hand of God move in deliverance once more. Oh, friend of mine, it's time to rise up, O men of God, and be done with earthly things. Jesus is coming very, very soon. And every child of God is needed in this last day. Let's all run this race together and let's finish our course so that we can say with Paul when it's all said and done, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've run a good race. Hallelujah. I've finished my course. And there's a crown awaiting me there are crowns awaiting me and if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior today someone in this listening audience I believe if you've listened to this point God has been dealing with your heart the Holy Spirit is right there where you are in that room that place that automobile right with you right now speaking to your heart you know he is Oh, friend, don't run from God anymore. Run to Him today. Repent of your sin. Receive Christ as your Savior. And run this race with us till Jesus comes. Would you come back next week? And let's talk about Jesus.